Lady Bizwiz, where we help you focus, execute, and get results as you take your business from concept to market. Today we'll hear the second half of a conversation on organizing systems in your business. We talk about being intentional, about planning for growth, setting expectations for employees, and building a culture that empowers people as opposed to stifling them through micromanaging. Let's listen in now for part two of Systems, Solutions, and Sanity. So we're talking, we're talking about the resource of people and organizing your systems with em- employees, uh, people that work for you, people that are helping you. How do you get, I mean, is it, is it really important that you, you talked about your employees catching the vision. And I just think people at their core want, they, they want to feel a sense of ownership in their work. I mean, maybe there's some people that just like to clock in, clock out, but how do you get them to sort of own your vision? Well, I do want them to, I don't know if I don't, I don't know if they, you'd have to, I guess, survey my employees if they get a sense of owning my vision, but I do try to get them excited about my vision. I do try to get them um, as excited about my vision as I am so that I can at least get them on basically the same train as me. Um, and I, and I try to do that by empowering them to, to have ideas, add to the team. Um, I don't really go and ask my permission, my employees permission for things that I want to do. Um, but I do say, Hey, I have this idea about X, Y, Z. What do y'all think are some really good ways to get that kind of off the ground? So I've, I've created the, the, the direction or the vision. And I do like my people to come on and go, do you have an idea about that? Do you have any kind of input to say, you know, vision or thought about how that could go smooth. Do you, you know, and so that does get them on the train versus me telling them how we're going to do it, what we're going to do. I just tell them the idea I have, I'm excited about it. Again, that's not usually up for negotiation. Um, I don't put that to a vote. Um, but how should we look at that? Oh, let's look at label colors. What do you think about how we should put this? What song? I mean, again, anything to kind of involve them to get excited about it. So really when, when the product gets launched, they do have, I don't know if they would ever say they probably have ownership, but they do have a lot of pride in um in what we've been able to accomplish and they feel they're part of that pride i think this is i just this is to me the some of the greatest beauty about entrepreneurship that you can sort of organically involve people in in the process because i I do feel like that creates a sense of ownership that you know i've been involved yeah i mean maybe you presented the idea but i've been involved in making this happen it definitely um it's it's very different than just saying okay here's your order do it yeah, I mean, we obviously have orders all the time, and here's your order, and do it is a lot of what we have to I do. Mean, I meant like a command. Yeah. Here's a command from me. This is yeah. what you're going to do. Now do it. Is different than I have this idea. How do you think this could we could make this happen? Is is very different pre- presentation. It's all about the presentation, in my opinion. Even when I set financial goals, like we need to get you know start getting this much ramp up our production. We need to get mo- more moving out of our system. Every, you know, of our facility every week. I mean, that's something I have a real need for that. It, it helps my cash flow. So there's a real, real need for me as an owner of why that needs to happen. Um, but again, I believe it's the approach on how I approach my staff to get them on board because I need them to do it. So, I mean, it's like, here's what I need and here's how I need you to do it. And so that's what I would say. It's like, I really start, we need to start getting out X, Y, Z a week in here. Let, you know, do you want to look at that by the day? How do you think we can do that? Is there some other things that I could do to help move things up, get things going? Can I assist in getting that going? What can I, and again, they're my team. I'm their team. It's not, it's, it's not this really hierarchy down. It's what can we do together to get 
this initiative executed. And um, I find that people who've worked for me over the years really end up getting done what I need to get done. If I've, A, put myself into the team to help get it done. Um, in some point, again, not, I don't usually go in and start making product, but I, you know, I'm willing to help. What can I do? I've cast the vision. And, um, and then as they do it, there's a lot of praise and, you know, praise for that. Y'all did a great job, man. Y'all are really knocking it out of the park. I mean, that's a lot reinforcing what's getting done in a positive way. Um, and when there's a hiccup in a day and something didn't get done, cause something that there's not, I don't spend a lot of time going, y'all don't doing a good job. Y'all aren't, you know, I, I spend more time going, you know what guys, what can we do tomorrow is that we can get things out. Rain today. There was whatever issue. Oh, well, great. That won't be a problem tomorrow. We can really kind of hit it hard tomorrow. You know, de- verbal affirmation is so important. You know, um, I'm just thinking too about how I bet a lot of entrepreneurs um, struggle in the beginning with micromanaging. And some of that I think is a personality type, but how do you keep from micromanaging and sort of squashing the spirit of your employees because of that? So I am not a micromanager. So that is something that I, I don't really completely understand that mindset so but you've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs yes and you've seen the control freak which is a lot a lot of people who yes. start businesses they, they want everything just so and they have trouble delegating and I, work, and I work with them to get out of that headspace <laughs> <laughs> right so so how do you how do you work with them let's just let's just deal with that for a couple of minutes how do we get out of that headspace if that's what you're struggling with is you know I, I just I'm afraid that they're not going to do it to my standard that's going to address what we talked about the other day the fear thing you know when we talked the whole pot we did a whole podcast on fear and so what I would ask is, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, let's address that fear. Let's just go down the full rabbit trail of what's going to happen um, with that fear. So see it to the end. What's see the most the disastrous what's, thing? You know, I mean, you know, sometimes if you are somebody who wants to micromanage, you really are doing it out of control always, in my opinion, in my complete opinion, no licensing to back up this opinion. But control, in my opinion, is a fear-based um, response or response yeah so um let's address let's address the monster in the room if it's really a fear base let's address the fear um again i am not a therapist or any i have no degree in psychology but, but i just think this is we're talking about setting up systems and i'm just thinking about people out there who maybe are just on the cusp but are there maybe they've already started growing and they're thinking i'm really scared and you've you addressed this in your book about scaling that that first employee is the scariest one because scariest you're putting yourself one. out there in a lot of ways financially you're putting yourself out there in trust and so, the first employee you have is probably not the employee that's going to be with you forever. I mean, they're kind of a trial run for you. You're kind of a trial run for them. Who right. knows? Um, but no, address the fear. You know, figure out what it is. I mean, if you can at least start to uncover the fear, what's the worst that can happen? And really, as you go down the whole trail, it's not, you know, it's, it's not a five alarm fire. Then, you know, but if that is, if you do, then you then put, again, put procedures in place to help mitigate that worst case scenario from happening people will make mistakes when you try but if you're really honest with yourself and all the control that you have you make mistakes right <laughs> I make mistakes um so I'm not really somebody who might and, and I actually part that's part of my job my employment um interview is I go through that with them I'm like look if you really need somebody to micromanage your time if that's a level of employer you need I'm not the right one for you I'm not the right one for you um, I mean, I guess it's kind of like dating in a bit. I mean, if I was, you know, going to date a guy and it's been a long time. So, um, but if I was going to date a guy and, you know, they wanted me to check in and they wanted, you know, uh, you know, 
to kind of micro me, micromanage me or kind of control, we wouldn't get past like three dates. Um, if they couldn't understand that I like to kind of just be able to run free and that I would just say you know, nothing wrong with you. It's just, you're not the guy for me. And that's the same kind of thing. If you are an, if you're an employee that needs a lot of handholding and a lot of that, then we're going to have a hard time working together and I'm the one that can't go. So, I mean, I try to kind of, you know, cut that off. Now, again, I don't go, you're on board and then throw a job at them. Right. You have to train them and you have I to make sure they're them. comfortable Correct. and they're ready. So um, there's a lot of affirmations at first, a lot of atta girls or atta boys, um, a lot of, do you understand what we're doing? Um, are you finding that comfortable? And then the other thing I love to do, and people do, do seem like, man, I was kind of doing it. Do you see any better way for it to be done? You know, I've always kind of done it this way. That kind of works to my style, but you know, your style is a little bit different. Your eyes are different than mine. Do you see a better way of doing this or a way that could save you time? I mean, am I making it, is it too laborious or is it too, you know, and get that input as they're kind of not like on day one, but you know, allow for that, um, that new employee to go, you know, I really think we should, you know, I think I could save some time by doing it X, Y, Z. And again, all you're doing there is making an opening for somebody to now buy into your vision. That's right. You're giving them that ownership and you're empowering them really. Yeah. So important. So important. Okay. So employees and, you know, we we kind of, there's so many different directions we could take this conversation with, with dealing with, with your employees and, and delegating tasks. What other systems in your business do you are important to put in place as you're getting ready or, or as you're growing or before that big growth spurt that would help you manage it? So for, for me, I mean, I, I mean, I have a, I mean, I have product based businesses that go to people. And, and so I really have to really work really hard to find a business that didn't have people involved, whether, I mean, because eventually somebody has to be the buyer of whatever it is that you do. So there's a customer. Right. Whether it's service or product based, there's a customer. There's a customer. And so I would um, clearly understanding what I want that experience for my customer. Because at the end of the day, that's how I build my business. You've, you've bought something I've had. You like it. You're happy. You have, I've cleaned your home. You're thrilled about it. You're happy. The next thing that happens with that is when some, you know, you're having lunch with a friend and you're like, oh, I've got this best person. She's, I've got this cutest towel. I've got my house is sparkling clean. What are they going to ask? Where did you get it from? Who did that for you? And so I want that customer experience to be at the, at the top of what I do. Now, customers can be wrong. I'm not going to be in the, you know, no customers always right. That's not really, but their perception is something I'm not always going to argue with. They can perceive something and I can perceive something differently. But at the end of the day, I at least want people to walk away at least neutral, Um, ideally happy, but at least neutral, not mad. So, I mean, again, for an employee is, is, is what is that? What is really the vision of the company? What do I want the experience to be? My time is the most valuable resource I have, and I'd like to spend less of it at the grocery store. Instacart helps me get unlimited products I love from the stores I choose for one low monthly fee. The groceries are delivered in less than an hour, so if I need that one special ingredient to make my mom's famous chicken gumbo, I can have it here before my workday is done without the extra hassle of another errand. Start your 14-day trial with Instacart by following the link in the show notes to let Instacart know that we sent you and to help support the show. Instacart, never step foot in a grocery store again. 
how do I, if I, if I want to sell a white glove service, what does that mean? What clearly defines to me a white glove service? Cause you may have another interpretation of white glove. So I'm just telling you, we do a white glove service and you go off and I'm like, well, that's not white glove, but you didn't tell me what white glove was. So if I want a white glove experience, if I want a luxury experience, I mean, you can talk about spas and stuff like that, that they want a luxury experience for their clients. Or you can have more of a utilitarian experience. And that's, but again, what is the experience you want to convey um, at the end to your customer? And, and again, create a plan. What does that look like? Talk it out with your staff. What was the response with your, you know, when you, you know, we did what we thought was luxury or white glove or whatever, and it fell flat with a customer. Why did they not feel like it? What, where did you lose the interpret, you know, where was it lost in translation? And having a dialogue with the, your team, with your people, because I don't really look at my employees as being employees. I don't, I don't do a whole lot of hierarchy. And there are businesses out there that have levels and, and that's so much more corporate than I've ever worked in. But I look at my people who work for me as an extension of me and as a team um, where I am available to them. I want to hear what they have to say. I want to hear the happy things. They have to, I, I'm okay with hearing where I, you know, made them mad. Um, but I want to hear that because nothing can be, can be changed without communication. And that is in my rules and expectations. That is actually a line item in my rules and expectations. That what everybody, does it say? So it says, if you are unhappy about anything here, I ask that you not share your unhappiness with the other team members because unhappiness breeds, in my opinion, unhappiness. They cannot fix your problem. Only I can. So come to me with your unhappiness. Let me at least have a shot of making it right. Please do not infect my team. If you're unhappy, I'm an open door. You make a phone call. You set aside time. I'll set aside time. We will get to at least, I will hear you can't tell you I'll always solve it. And I even can't tell you I'll always solve it to your satisfaction, but I promise to hear you come to me. Um, don't go and infect my team. How often have you had people come to you with their unhappiness? Uh, over the years. I mean, like more times than I can count. So you really think that that saying that in writing has really helped people feel free that you have really have an open door? You know, I don't know. I don't know if people always remember what they signed on their yeah. first day. Um, but it is something that is part of the culture that I try to create. Uh, create. That's what I was thinking. You can't really just say something. You kind of have to reiterate it over and over with people. I do, to- but it's at least there. So as they, I mean, I've at least planted a seed on their first day as they're pe- filling out all their paperwork. Uh, this is the culture. And I reiterate that being the culture. But it is, it is something that I feel so passionately about that if you're unhappy with your work schedule, you don't like, you know, you're hitting traffic coming and going and you're spending two hours in the car and you don't get to see your kids as often. I had, I mean, I had an employee say this to me um, several years ago and, you know, she's like, I feel like the hours that we have, I come, you know, I, I kiss my baby good morning and I get in the road and then it's an hour where she lived was an hour trans, you know, commute. And then I get out of here and I fight traffic an hour and a half home just in time to put my, you know, my baby in the bath. And, and feed them dinner and put them to bed. And, and as a mom, I understand that. I mean, and so we, you know, I, but the job that she had could work outside of traditional hours. It was not a job that, were, this particular job was not a job that needed to be in those hours. And so I shifted her hours. And I said, we would be coming in earlier, make some things work better for you. And she goes, oh, that would really, I could pick my kid up from school now and have the evenings, have the, yeah. the afternoon, the evenings. 
it, I did, it was a problem I didn't know that she was facing every single day because I wasn't making that commute. I lived in a different part of town. It wasn't. Um, I had more flexibility as an owner, so I could, you know, if I had to hop out and go, I could. She didn't have that flexibility as an employee. I needed her for the shift that she was there for, but I could make an adjustment to that. And, um, and we had a discussion, but she'd been frustrated for probably six months before she came to me. And I really wish she'd come to me earlier. Um, we could have, we could have eliminated like five months of frustration. I think we could have a whole other podcast on just creating a culture. Um, what kind of a culture do you want to create in your company? Because you do create the culture by the things you say, by the way you treat people, um, by the things that they, you know, that you said that they signed, that there's a culture that's being created all the time with the interactions but that you that, have. Yes, it is. But that culture is, is at least in the beginning stages when you're starting to put to paper these procedures, that's part of the procedures you're putting together. You're starting to formulate the culture that you want to create and grow. So this is the, these are the questions you need to ask yourself, right? Yes. What culture do I want to create in my company? Yes. What kind of experience do I want my customers to have at the end of the day when they've experienced our service or our product? What is it that I want them to have? What kind of uh, environment? Well, we talked about culture. What other What other good questions we talked about? Well, how do I want my How do I want my st- my my staff to you know also help grow that culture? So how do I get them on board with it? How do I get them believing it that it's not just lip service, but it's actually it's something that I believe in and and want to foster? Right. I mean, so you- what are their ex- What are the expectations for them? Not only to perform in their job but also to help grow that culture right and you see a lot of that you do see a lot of that in um big tech companies is kind of comes to mind google and you know you started to see the ping pong tables and the pool tables and the snack bars and i mean it was a grueling job of of creating all this code and i mean i cannot even imagine um but they did create campuses and cultures around um, collaborative efforts because that worked in the culture that they had. So is your is your business something that would benefit from a collaboration? If I mean, and they're all different. So I mean, again, knowing what your business is, understanding the culture you're trying to sell to not only your customers but the culture eventually really going to really have to sell first to your to your people who come to work for you. And um, and you see that when if you go out and look at other. Um, businesses that have been successful that really are kind of culture-based businesses how do they do that um are you are you a business that can be based you know remotely so you can you know really do feed into you know the business of a mom who puts her baby down for a nap or wants to you know eliminate that hour commute back and forth so again I, i the biggest thing i want is there's there's a thousand ways to go about that but i'm saying be intentional about it be proactive at least start to control that narrative um it'll stop the wild wild west of which controlling you um and even if you're like i'm not a super control freak and i'm not it is always more comfortable to be in the driver's seat than having somebody else drive that train and you don't know it's kind of running out of out of control so that's really the key is what i'm wanting you to say is is whatever your plan do it with intentionality it could with the option of having it pivot. <laughs> so that's hard to say. <laughs> do it with intentionality, but be willing to have it move. Um, but I do think, Amy, you say that, but I, I think those are the two keys to your success. It's, it's tenacity and flexibility, which seem completely, like they seem very conflicting, but there's both. There's like, we're going here, there's a tenacity and a determination, but there's also the, the understanding and realization that, that life is constantly coming at you and, there, so, and you have to be able to pivot. So there's a flexibility that I like, and I, and I think it's really important for entrepreneurship. You, you have to be able to flex 
Look at COVID. I mean, we yeah. all learned that, right? You have to be able to flex. I mean, I guess I'll, I guess I'll think about this. I'll do a little bit of good analogy. So I remember, I don't know if they do it anymore, but back in my early 20s, they had a lot of, um, you could go to like gyms, they would have like self-defense classes. And so women would learn basic self-defense moves. And they would have the guy, I remember he would like look like he was wrapped in a big puffy duct tape, you know. Oh, like he was the bad guy? He was the bad guy. Okay. And, and what they were doing is they were, you know, trying to prepare women, um, and it was specifically for women, but prepare women for, um, to stave off an attack, you know, sure. so they would feel more secure walking to their car at night. And they would stage these different attacks and they would show, you know, you know, go for the eyes, go for the groin, solar plexus, right. the groin, whatever, foot, whatever, knee, something like that. So they would run these scenarios over and over again, and they would run these mock attacks Mm -hmm. and so what that woman was doing is they were creating muscle memory for when the attack happens it's not going to be planned it's not going to be something they see coming because attacks normally aren't um but there would be muscle memory there to be able to instinctively understand what to do but no attack in real life was ever going to be like the attack that she planned for in in a controlled gym environment this is the same thing you prepare puts you in control you put in place things that you can rely on muscle memory so to speak COVID's going to happen it's not in the muscle memory that you created but you created enough muscle memory with procedures that you can at least draw into that bag again the attack's not going to come exactly like you planned it but you've got enough ideas of where you're going in an attack that still to a degree can keep some semblance of control on the on the person who's being attacked versus all the power being on the person who's doing the attacking it's the same kind of thing we don't respond well when we're not prepared um when you're prepared, you can actually, even though it's not going to play out the way you prepared it, you at least have tools in your bag to pull from to make that pivot more successful. Thank you for joining us today on Lady Biz Wiz. As always, we value your feedback. Send us an email at questions at ladybizwiz.com. And let us know what you like best about the podcast or if you have any ideas for future ones. Thanks so much. We hope you have a great day. See you next time.